This is the Podium Finish Live from Austin, Texas, and various points across the country. Here's your host, Rob Tiamson. And a good, good day to everyone out there listening to us on your preferred podcasting platform. Welcome to the Podium Finish Live, the world's fastest hour of racing talk. With me, your host, Rob Tiamson, and alongside, as always, Nathan Solomon for episode number 75 of our podcast. We're closing in on our milestone 100 episode, which would definitely get us over our previous run of TPF Live back in the early 2000s. And it's a really special episode because this is the post bi-week edition of the podcast, I suppose, because we didn't have we didn't have any NASCAR action last week. It was all about IndyCar um, at the Road America course over in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin. And of course, that race was won by Alex Below, which was Nathan's prediction. So he's two for two with IndyCar picks so far. I guess if we go with the uh, 2021 champion, makes things a little bit easier. But he has been quite the force these last two races on the IndyCar circuit. But they're off this week. And we're back to talking about the normal stuff on this podcast, which is NASCAR. And uh, on this edition, we have Grant Enfinger, driver of the number 23 champion power equipment Chevrolet Silverado fielded by GMS Racing in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. He'll join us a little bit later on to talk about his career, his journey, racing in the Truck Series, and kind of the sort of dog-eat-dog nature of that series and other things that you want to know about the driver from the Crimson State. So lots to talk about with him. And we'll preview, of course, everything that will be going on on the NASCAR side with National Super Speedway's Ally 400 race weekend. Yes, it's going to be a, a great one, a late one, but a really fun one to say the least. And also too, as of this recording on Wednesday evening, it's not like anything didn't happen today on the NASCAR side because Storthaus Racing has pretty much been dominating the news um, heading into Nashville. So we'll talk about why I'm being a little bit sarcastic about that. Uh, a certain driver who will be in the number 10 colleague racing entry for the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at the Chicago Street Course during Independence Day race weekend. And then, of course, our race picks and Grant talking about his racing duties on the hot seat. So with that, why don't we jump right to it with Nathan joining us right now. So Nathan, I know you've got some racing action of your own uh, with the IMSA six hours of the Glen. So you're, you have no shortage of racing looking forward to this weekend and in the summer. Yeah, for sure. Excited to get to walk in the Glen this weekend for the Salem six hours of the Glen. Got five different series up there, so that should be a good time. Looking forward to covering that for uh, the second straight year. And then, yeah, it's basically that rolls right into some NASCAR stuff coming up here. Uh, basically middle of July, I got a couple of, well, not a couple, but got got some back-to-back uh, NASCAR weekends to, to look forward to. So, uh, super excited about this next month. Um, some of my favorite racetracks, well, really my, my three favorite racetracks, Watkins Glen, um, New Hampshire, and Pocono. So, that's always exciting. The Northeast Tour begins real soon, folks. So, it's going to be fun and exciting, of course, for us and Nathan as well. So, we look forward to his reports from the racetrack with IMSA and then on the NASCAR side, starting in mid-July onwards. So lots to look forward to on that. And of course, I have a ways to go, but yay, Texas, um, which hopefully won't be 103-something degrees. It won't be screaming hot, like I said last week. Um, and hopefully not storming either, because you may hear some thunderstorm 
uh, boomers in the background during the show. But before we think about the weather and all of that fun stuff about racing and uh, previewing and all that, why don't we hear from our sponsors, SpoilerDieCast.com. Hey racing fans, are you in the hunt for the latest diecast cars from Lionel Racing or F1 or IndyCar diecasts? Well, look no further. If you head to SpoilerDieCast.com, you'll find all of the latest and greatest diecast cars and get free shipping and 5% off of your orders if you use promo code TPF by spending $20 or more on your items. Head over to SpoilerDieCast.com and let Evan and his team know that you want the best diecast cards around. And if you use promo code TPF, you'll be in the winner's circle. It doesn't get better than that. So just head on over to SpoilerDieCast.com and make your latest purchases today. And yes, indeed, folks, you can save some good money and get free shipping. I promise you, promo code TPF is well worth it for those of you who spend $20 or more on orders of pre-order or in-stock items. And I can tell you for a fact, if you are an IndyCar collector, Greenlight Collectibles shared a lot of the cars that have been built ready to be released at the end of this month. So you can get your diecast collection on just before the Honda Indy Toronto race at Exhibition Place in mid-July, which will, of course will air on Peacock. And of course, if you like NASCAR, they have a lot of those as well because Lionel has been catching up and in fact, getting back on pace before things were slowed down by COVID. So super good news on that front. Just remember, promo code TPF, you'll save some money, you'll make me happy, you'll make Nathan happy. That's what matters, folks. With that, why don't we jump right into it with Podium Perspectives. Yeah, folks. I mean, this was a really slow news week so far heading into Nashville. In fact, I think Nathan and I, we're just going to jump into hot seat right now. No, I, I'm kidding. Of course not. Today on Wednesday, actually, it was a pretty exciting day for you Storehouse Racing fans because, of course, we now know who's going to succeed Kevin Harvick in the number four Storehouse Racing entry. Forward entry? Question mark? I don't know. I'm not trying to incite things. What I can say for a matter of fact, though, is that Josh Berry of Hendersonville, Tennessee, is going to be taking over that ride next season. And of course, Josh has done a really great job in the Xfinity Series for Junior Motorsports, I would say for the last handful of years. And he did an admirable job as a fill-in driver for the injured Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott earlier this season. It's a well-deserved opportunity. It's not something where you see somebody who's busted their butt off, may not come with a lot of money, getting a really good competitive cup ride. Um, and as Tony Stewart said, and I'll paraphrase it, I'm not really looking to hire a rich kid who's got sponsors and doesn't have the talent. I, I'm not in the business of doing that. Um, and he has certainly got a diamond in the rough, hole in the wall type of driver who deserves this moment in the sun. So Nathan, I know we were kind of talking about this well before the announcement was made offhand and now it's official. We know what's going on with Storthouse Racing. You know how big of this, uh, how big of an opportunity is this for for Josh, and in terms of succeeding Kevin Harvick, and also too being a throwback to drivers being picked up to cup because they're actually good and not don't cup with money and and they're not super young. Yeah, I mean, good for Josh. Um, 
I think a lot of people kind of expected this announcement. I mean, it's kind of the been the worst kept secret in the garage for really the entire year. I think kind of feels like just about everybody in the garage knew that this was happening since like oh mid March, but um, it was kind of the worst kept secret, but the best kept secret because like no official announcement or like no like major reports were made by any outlets until like a couple weeks ago. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a well deserved opportunity. He's he's progressed a lot and is really it's just a couple of years in the, at the national series level. Like he hopped right into the Xfinity cars in twenty twenty one and um, adapted adapted really quickly. So um, won what his fifth race or sixth race right out of the gate at, at Martinsville and has been incredibly consistent since then. Has what four or five Xfinity wins now. Um, and, and like you said, did a really really solid job. Um, when he was in the Hendrick Motorsports cars, and I was listening to a lot of the um, Dale Jr. Download podcast a little bit earlier when, with uh, with Josh, when you know he was just in, in the studio with Dale uh, before the announcement this morning, and he said, "Hey, you know, I I, I knew that there's a very good chance I'd be going to Stuart Haas Racing, but the deal wasn't done yet. Um, when I when I got that opportunity, um, it, it felt like an audition. So um, good for him. He got a couple top tens. He finished, I think, tenth at Phoenix. Almost won at Richmond." Um, so, yeah, he's done a really solid job, and I think that, uh, obviously, on the Ford side of things, they got a few things they got to get get figured out in terms of in terms of speed. They're obviously, um, they, they've been lacking a little bit of pace for the next-gen car. Obviously, I mean, Joey Logano won the championship last year for the manufacturer, but overall, uh, at some of the faster tracks, they've been pretty far off. Um, so I think if they can get some of the technical side technical things squared away with Ford and uh, Stuart Haas racing itself. I think uh, Josh Berry will, will have all the tools he needs to succeed and go out and, and win races and uh, potentially contend for a championship. I mean, he's going into the, 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 the premier car at, well, kind of the premier car at Stuart Haas racing. There's certainly an argument that the 14 is also a premier car there since that's what Tony drove. But um, obviously... And the most resources most likely are going to be going into that four and those 14 cars. So um, he's going into to one of the fastest cars in the series right now. Um, certainly high expectations. I've been, and I think he's a guy that will, will live up to them. You know, um, him and Rodney Childers kind of already have that relationship. They have really similar backgrounds. I think those two will be able to hit it off really quickly, and I think they'll have a ton of success together. That's, that's a great point you brought up, Nathan, because of the driver-crew chief relationship. And Roddy Childers is one of the best crew chiefs in the business. He's worked with a variety of drivers who have different backgrounds, and he's been able to get the most out of them. And, and then when he got paired up with Kevin Harvick, it was like kismet in terms of success, chemistry, and it's just everything coming together. We're still Haas racing with the number four entry from 2014 to the present, so... Uh, I'm really looking forward to big things too from Josh and from Rodney and also to the fact that, you know, they're both late model specialists. They both have that short track background. And I think it's, it's good to have a bunch of racers working together and continuing the legacy of the number four car, because it's certainly been one of the more iconic rides in this era of NASCAR. And it's good to have someone like Josh around and perhaps mentoring the other drivers too, once he gets his, uh, bearings acclimated as well in the Cup Series, working with Chase Briscoe and uh, Ryan Priest and Eric Almarola, if that lineup should hold for next year. Speaking of Stuart Haas Racing, it's not just the fact that the number four team has a new driver for next season. We now know that Chase Briscoe is going to have a reunion of sorts heading into National Super Speedway and beyond because 
Finally, Stuart Haas Racing has paired him back again with his Xfinity Series crew chief, Richard Boswell, the man that was responsible for his great season in 2020 in Xfinity Series season that you may remember um, during COVID. They were one of the higher, like the great stories, I suppose you could say, during a rather dark time for us in the world. Um, and I loved seeing what they did back then. And now we're going to see them back together in the Cup Series. That means for, of course, Riley Herbst, it is number 98 team in the Xfinity Series. He'll be working with Davin Restivo, who was the lead engineer for Eric Lamarola's number 10 entry. So what happens to Johnny Clausmeyer, of course, the original crew chief for the 14 team? Uh, he's going to go to a sort of, I don't want to say back-end role, but he'll be working with the team's vehicle performance group, a.k.a. more R&D stuff. Sort of what happened to, you know, um, Alex Bowman's situation and getting to work with a crew chief that has uplifted their efforts, for sure. Now, Sword House Racing, obviously, like you mentioned it, to your answer and to your point earlier, they've kind of been struggling. And Team Penske is obviously the top dog in the Ford performance side of things and the NASCAR series. Uh, you know, Nathan, is are these good moves in the short and long term for Stuart Haas Racing? And in your opinion, how long overdue is this move for Briscoe's number 14 team, considering everything they're going through in 2023? Yeah, I mean, in terms of long term and short term, it, it's really hard to tell. I mean, obviously, we don't know until we start seeing these results. But I mean, I guess... I think when you're in a position like what Stuart Haas is in, I think something has to change. Um, so I, I don't want to say it's fully trial and error, but um, they certainly have to try different things because what they had going right there was not working. Um, I mean, Briscoe, was, he's kind of the weirdest car of the four because there'd be one race where he's like, kind of in the mix like maybe like a top 10 top 7 car but then there's all of a sudden there's a race where he's running 33rd and like getting passed by like and and I don't mean this in like a bad way but he's getting getting passed by like Rick Ware cars and like in 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 BJ McLeod and when you're in a Stuart Haas car, it's probably not supposed to be happening. Um, so I think they, they, there certainly needs to be a little bit more consistency there. Um, I'd say like the 10 and the 41, they've been a little bit more consistent, but they haven't really been with that race-winning speed outside of like maybe Priest at Martinsville uh, when then he kind of screwed himself with a speeding penalty. But um, yeah, they, they've been off, so... I think making making a change right now is probably the best thing for them, giving Briscoe reunion with a crew chief he's had a lot of success with. Um, right now, just based on how many winners we have, um, looking pretty safe, a guy like Kevin Harvick is going to be in the playoffs, even just based on points. Um, but then I think Chase Briscoe is probably their next best bet, but he's going to have to win his way in, obviously, with the penalty um, that they had for a, uh, for a counterfeit part. They... They're in no position to point their way in. They're going to have to win one of the next 10 races. But I think that that team and that car is in a much better position right now to win a race compared to a Ryan Priest or an, or an Eric Elm role. I think that team's just shown more potential, even though they've been probably the most inconsistent of the four uh, SHR teams. So we'll see. Maybe him and, and Boswell can really hit it off here in these next 10 weeks and uh, put themselves in a position to, to go out and, and win a race. I mean, Briscoe's a pretty decent road course racer. We certainly have uh, a surplus of those coming up. We've got um, two more super speedway style races as well. So there will be opportunities for Briscoe to go out and win. It's just a matter of putting that full race together and executing at this point. Yeah, because the number 14 team, there, there's, like you mentioned, and to your point again, 
they've been kind of an enigma this year because last year they got into the playoffs really quickly when they won at Phoenix in the spring. And then they just kind of were just floating around and, you know, they made their, they made their postseason appearance and that was a pretty much it. And then this season, it's just been head scratching after head scratching moments for that team where we know Briscoe is a really solid driver and the 14 team has decently, not only fast cars, but decent cars. And it's just been crazy stuff that's happened. You know, the penalty, of course, certainly didn't help them at all. And yeah, you again, you, you're right. They have four more chances really to to get things done. Daytona, you know, they got um, Atlanta coming up, the Watkins Glen, Indianapolis road course races to look forward to. Don't count Michigan either because uh, the Fords tend to run really well at that track and anything could happen there. So it would be something to see the 14 team do well because when I was at Coda, all the talk with SHR was about Chase sort of becoming the lead driver at that organization. And now all of a sudden it's like, we know he's around. We know he's a good driver, but he's almost been an afterthought in a lot of these races, unfortunately. Uh, and when you're getting lapped lap by Rick Rare cars, uh, that's not that's not good news at all. So we're looking for more bigger things from the 14 team, and we'll see what happens in these next 10 races before the playoffs. Now we're going to switch gears a little bit and head to the Xfinity side of things and kind of think ahead to Chicago because the college racing team made a pretty special announcement about who will be driving their 10 car for the Chicago Street Course Xfinity Series race. Now, keep in mind, folks, that Cup Series drivers are not allowed to compete in the Chicago Street Course Xfinity race, but they were able to get a pretty good driver in terms of street course and road course racing talents. That, of course, would be uh, the one of the principal owners of Trackhouse Racing, Justin Marks, also TA2 driver, by the way. And Justin Marks will be certainly a driver to keep an eye on for the Chicago street course race. And hopefully he's going to have a better day than how his truck race went at Mid-Ohio last year. But Nathan, I know we don't know a lot about Chicago. We don't know what's going to happen yet. We know that Justin Marks is a pretty good driver. He's got that one Xfinity series series victory, I think, in the rain at Mid-Ohio. So, you know, certainly anything's possible with him. But what do you think? Uh, how about how he'll fare in the you know, his appearance in this race. Yeah, it's cool, and it's honestly pretty smart if you're college racing. I mean, college racing, they basically, well, when, unfortunately, when, when Landon Castle's deal kind of fell through for the second year of his contract, they, they said, hey, we're, we're really going to make this an all-star car, and that's what they've done. I mean, they've gotten some pretty big names. They've gotten Kyle Larson. They've gotten Kyle Busch. Um, they've gotten some you know up-and-coming guys too like like a Derek Krause uh, a bunch of different talents in that car now here they have um you know not just a, a cup series owner obviously that's what we know him most for you know owning track house racing and he's done an incredible job there but um like you said a guy with you know NASCAR road racing experience but also a Trans Am guy, and, and I think that's probably the most important part to that equation here because um, Trans Am, I mean, less horsepower, um, but those cars, in a sense, they race kind of similarly to stock cars. I mean, you look at them, they're, they look 
they look pretty close. Um, and Trans Am, they race on streets. I mean, they they race on um, streets of Nashville. And I want to say they have another street race or two. I don't know. You're the Trans Am Detroit. guy over there, Detroit. Um, so so they, yeah, they have they have a couple Trans Am races. So that that's something that Justin has a lot of experience in. And um, obviously that that Collie car is really fast. It's won a couple of times this year already. Um, so it's a car that. I mean, it's not a slow car. Like, it's one of the best cars in the field. And when you put a, a guy that knows how those Xfinity cars work, a guy that has street course racing experience, plus a good car, I think he could have a really good run. Obviously, like you mentioned, we don't know much about the track. All we know is, well, we've seen it on iRacing. We've seen the renderings. We've seen the maps. But it's narrow. I mean, everybody that has really addressed the media, at least on the Cup Series side, they said that they've done laps, and it, it's tight. It's going to be tough to pass. Um, you're going to have to be patient. Obviously, I think qualifying is going to probably going to mean a lot when we get there next weekend, um, just because of the unknowns and how difficult it probably will be to pass. So, um, just a guy with all that experience and, and that patience, I think, it bode really well. And um, I don't know if he'll go out and win the race, but I think with with no Cup drivers in the field um, and with all the unknowns, he he should certainly have a shot. I think he's going to be a splendid choice to win the Xfinity Series race at Chicago because I saw what he did in that TAT race. Now, I personally didn't see him, but um, obviously, yeah, I'm a PR for LTK Installation Technologies, Demon Racing's number seven, 97 TA2 entry driven by Tom Sheehan, who, of course, co-hosted the podcast with me and Nathan last month. And I can tell you that Justin Marks is a hell of a race car driver. Um, I know he doesn't think that highly of himself in NASCAR, but this guy drove from the back of the field at Detroit. And if you saw the Detroit street course race, that that was a very narrow, bumpy street course. And I'm anticipating more of the same for uh, Chicago. So I think he's going to do a splendid job. One other thing I think we're going to have to think, uh, consider with Justin's appearance in the college entry, I'm sure he's going to get some good notes from Daniel Suarez as well, because Daniel actually drove or practiced a TA2 car uh, on Friday of the opening practice session at Detroit. So you have to think that Daniel's given some input about you know how the street course should handle any stock car-like machine. And the TA2 cars are pretty similar in terms of performance and the characteristics of a stock car. So it'll be interesting to see how much will carry over into those races this coming Independence Day weekend. We'll have a lot to talk about with Chicago because that's going to be an interesting race, to say the least. Now, of course, folks, you know what time it is on this podcast. No, it's not Heidi Duty time. It is winning time here on TPF Live. This is when we make our race winning picks for NASCAR uh, races. So in this case, of course, this weekend it consists of Friday night's Rackley roofing 250 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series race with the defending winner being Ryan Priest, And then, of course, for Saturday afternoon, we've got the NASCAR Xfinity Series Tennessee Lottery 250 with the defending race winner being Justin Allgaier and Chase Elliott being the defending race winner for Sunday night's Ally 400 NASCAR Cup Series race. Yes, I did say Sunday night, folks. Remember, this time around, it is a night race, not a late afternoon race, so... You can get your Sunday chores done, get a nap in, and then join us for some fun on the concrete mile. 
over in Lebanon, Tennessee. Lots to look forward to, of course. Lots of craziness that's likely going to happen at Nashville. So, Nathan, why don't you tell the fans at home who you're picking for the three NASCAR races in Nashville? Yeah, well, starting the truck series race, I'll go with Zane Smith. And it's been kind of a weird season for him. He has a couple early wins. The last few races really have not gone his way, and it's not really been for a lack of speed. Just been some crashes, some bad luck. I think that you'll kind of write that ship a little bit here um, as the truck series really starts to sneak up on the playoffs. I mean, their regular season finale is in just a little over a month, which is kind of crazy. But, um, but yeah, they're, they're coming up on playoff time here, so I think he's going to want to hammer in on that consistency that will start this weekend. So it goes Zane Smith. On the Xfinity side, I'm going to go Josh Berry. I mean, obviously a big week from with big week for him. I think he'll just ride that momentum and, and finally get that first win of the season. Um, he's had a good year for JRM, just hasn't been able to get to victory lane. He's been one of the best cars all year, regularly running in the top five, top ten. Just hasn't been meant to be yet. So we'll go with him there. And then on the cup side, I'll go Chase Elliott. You know, he's... Had some struggles since coming back from his injury and had the suspension. Hasn't really been able to get into a good flow of things. But this time last year is really when he started to kind of turn it on. He he won Nashville last year and, and then went on a tear. So um, now kind of progressing into the second half of the season, I think he's going to kind of start to feel that pressure of, oh, man, you know, we only got we only got 10 tries left to go out and win a race and make the playoffs. I think he'll go and, and get it done on Sunday and, and just and punch that ticket. Those are a trio of great racing winning picks, I would say, for Nashville. And uh, I think those are three cases to be in victory lane for a nice, I believe, a Les Gibson guitar. So we'll see if you're right. You've been on a roll with these winning ring picks lately, so I, I, I won't be dismissing your picks. Uh, not that I never, not that I have at all. Now for the trucks race, this is going to be a tough one because we don't have Ryan Priest again. Now that, of course, the team that was fielding those entries are now Tricon Racing, or Tricon Garage, rather, and now that they're Toyotas. So it's kind of making things a little bit spicy, as our friend Jasmine Sharp says. And Jazz, hope you feel better soon. Get well. ASAP. As far as the truck race is concerned, this is a tough one. I think I'm going to go with a guy who obviously hasn't raced in quite some time because he got sick. Um, before the gateway race weekend i'm going to talk about Corey heim in this case i really like what i've seen out of him so far in a truck series he's been pretty much at home he's obviously brought over some of his success from the arca um, menard series racing series over to trucks and proven that he is a really capable competitive driver in the toyota pipeline so i'll look for big things out of the number 11 uh, safe flight team as far as Xfinity series race is concerned, you know, Justin Allgaier is on a roll. You mentioned Josh Berry, who's going to be pumped up about going to cup and probably feeling a lot of extra confidence, if you will, um, before Saturday's race. But I'm going to go in a different direction than you. In this case, Nathan, I'm going to say that as far as this race is, is concerned for Saturday, um, I'm going to go in a different direction. This, this may seem like an out of nowhere pick. Sheldon Creed, number two, Whalen Ride. They're kind of due for a victory. He's been good enough to win. He's just had some crappy circumstances uh, dealt to him, but he's gotten he's got some pace on the ovals. He may not be the fastest car, but we've seen how after that break, you know, after the Fox break happens, teams that may have been kind of floating above, you know, good, the good bark, if you will, 
they all of a sudden pick up some momentum and get some great speed. So I'm looking for the number two RCR camp to to make some noise, maybe get a victory, and Sheldon Creek and finally feel like that move from the truck series was well worth it after being a, a truck series content for so many years. Now on the cup side for the Ally 400, yes, you bring up a good point about Chase Elliott. They definitely need to win a race to, uh, to really be in the playoffs with 10 races left in the regular season. Um, you know, I'm looking at different teams like Kevin Harvick in his last year. I know he would love to win the race so that he can really be comfortable and breathe a little bit easier, of course. But in this case, I am going to go in a different direction here. And I say that the number 24, William Byron, will win this Sunday night's race because uh, Byron has been one of the two most dominant drivers this season. You and I have brought him up in our, our conversations about being one of the best drivers in the Cup Series so far, um, the best of the quartet, if you will. And they've had a lot of speed all season long. Uh, Rudy Fugel and, and William Byron have just got amazing chemistry, great cars. One of the best pit crews in the business, as you may have seen throughout the first several races of the season. So I'm looking for the number 24 team to gain a stranglehold in the Cup Series. So we'll at least kept it in the Hendrick house with our picks, Nathan. But I think uh, it will be interesting to see if the 24 or 9 or somebody else will win on Sunday night. Now, race fans, what do you think? Did Nathan get his picks right? Probably. Did I get my right uh, race picks right? Uh, I don't know. We'll see. What do you think? Tweet to us. Nathan's at nsalty02. I'm at Rob T. Oxen. And if you want to just holler at the rest of us at the podium finish on Twitter, we'll tweet with you. And if you, you know, tweet a really good thought or you make a great race winning pick that happens to win, uh, we'll personally get you a 164 in stock 2023 NASCAR or IndyCar car from spoiler so let us know, folks, because we want to hear from you, and we would love to hear from you as we get ready for 20 straight weeks of NASCAR action. That's right, folks. We're not resting anytime soon. With that, why don't we get ready for the hot seat? This week's edition of the Hot Seat's pretty fun. I would say this one's going to be a bit of a barn burner in terms of length. So I suggest you folks enjoy it, maybe audiobook it, podcast it up, like we say, because this is a really fun, in-depth, uncut interview with the driver of the number 23 power champion power equipment Chevrolet Silverado, fielded by GMS Racing, Grant and Finger, of course, from Fairhope, Alabama. Grant's a really talented driver. He has shown him some speed, some success in ARCA and the truck series. And seriously, he's one of the nicest guys you can find in, in all of motorsports. And I really had a great time talking to him about his career, you know, what it's like to race in the truck series, racing with uh, Roger Carruth, a frequent guest of the show, uh, Daniel Dye, of course, some of his racing heroes and his pride for the state of Alabama. Uh, this fan, if he, if you want to look for somebody who really loves the state of Alabama, besides Larry McReynolds or Nick Saban, I would say Grant and Finger is a great candidate for that. So with that, folks, sit back, relax, grab some of your favorite beverage and snacks or whatever it is, and uh, 
chill out to this interview with Grant and Finger in the hot seat. It's great to have a member of the class of 1985 on the show for a change, because it's always about youngsters. So we're going to do things about the 80s here. Not totally, but anyways, before we get started, Grant, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. You know, coming off a, a big win at Victory, uh, a big victory at uh, Gateway, I guess is how you say it. But uh, yeah, life is good. Um, all is All is well in the world right now. Absolutely. Congrats, my friend. Uh, I love that uh, during the Winter's Press uh, interview that you were like, hey, by the way, we're going to have another kid or something like that. And I thought that was just such a cool, genuine moment um, for a winner. So congrats to you and your family. I'm sure you're super excited about being a dad. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. So my wife was not expecting that announcement, but it uh, it just kind of <laughs> felt felt right at the time. We, we got a, a really good checkup the last week and a half or so. So we're starting to tell our, our close friends and, and family that, uh, that Michelle is pregnant again. So. So, yeah, um, it, it, is, it is pretty cool to, to kind of do it in that moment when uh, when everybody's celebrating and happy. Well, I'll say this much, much for you, no matter what happens at the end of the season, or at least the beginning of next year, you're going to be a winner with your wife, Michelle, because you're going to be parents again. So uh, I'm super excited and we can't wait to see the, you know, your baby uh, healthy and here on, on earth soon. So super exciting times for you and the, the whole family. And uh, I, I just love that. That was just so cool. And, um, you know, speaking of cool moments, of course, let's talk about your season so far. I mean, you're having a terrific regular season as we speak uh, for yourself and the number 23 champion power equipment Chevrolet team. You guys have that victory at Kansas. And of course, most recently at Gateway, which was a scorcher of a race, but you showcase some of that veteran, um, you know, experience and patience. You let those young guns kind of fight it out for themselves. And you're like, oh, here's my opening and I'm going to take advantage of it. So, I mean, how special has it been to have a year like you're having so far and you know, work towards a strong playoff spot as we, you know, wind down the regular season and get ready for the playoffs. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that we're we're starting to peak at, at the right time. I, I feel like we we didn't start the year quite as is as cleanly as we're used to. My, myself and Jeff Hensley have worked together for a lot a long time, and and I kind of pride ourselves on on executing the races as well as we can. So take whatever truck we have at the beginning, make it better. And, and try not to try to limit our mistakes. Um, I don't feel like we did a great job of that, the, the, the first five, six, seven races. But our last five races, we've, we've obviously been able to win a couple of them. But more than anything, I feel like we've executed pretty well on all the, the certain situations. And we've had really good speed in our champion power equipment Chevrolet. And it is, uh, it's so much easier to to run well and to stay out of accidents when you have speed. Um, a lot of times if, if you're, you're, everybody's goal is the same. That's to, to win the race, right? Well, if you have a 10th place truck, you're still trying to win the race and you're asking more of it than, than the next guy that that's maybe got a, a top three truck or whatever. I, I feel like we've, we've had a lot better speed that allows me to, to make different decisions on the track allows me to be patient in certain instances and, and more aggressive in other instances. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the progress we've made. We, we still have some areas we have to clean up. Um, we, you know, we, we had a, a top three truck. I feel like at gateway, we played the hand we were dealt. Um, Jeff Hensley made some great strategy calls. I feel like we executed well and, and really the race played out in our favor. Um, would we have won had those two not wrecked? 
feel like we stood a good chance. I feel like they were side drafting each other enough to where I felt like my way to win the race was to back off and get a big run down the front straightaway and hopefully pass them both. That was that was kind of my plan. But but yeah, Ty got loose under Zane and and unfortunately uh, wiped him out. But we we still had to execute on our green white checkered restart. Um, I feel like uh, myself and Jeff and and my spotter Tyler Mon and our whole core group of of our whole core team who's who's been together since last year has has been putting in the work and putting in the effort and and I'm glad to 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 say we're we're finally showing some results. Hey, this is the right time of the season to do so. It doesn't matter how you start, about how you you keep grinding away, or as you folks say in the racing industry, you, how you keep on digging and. Uh, you know, one thing I've noticed about you throughout the years is that you're always doing a good job keeping your truck in one piece, you know, being respectful and clean, uh, no matter how the series has become a, a sort of mix between youngsters and, and veteran talents like you. Yeah, you know, the truck racing is is wild. It's it's chaotic. Um, a lot of it has to do with the package and, and the position that that NASCAR puts us in, in my opinion. And then a lot of it has to do with, yeah, just a lot of young, hungry guys. And, and I'm 38 years old. I'm, I'm one of the old guys at this point. Um, there is a lot of 20, you know, 20 year olds and, and even younger than that. I, I bet you the average age is, is gotta be 22 or 23 in the truck series. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been racing for a long time. I do have that experience, but at the end of the day, because we are truck racing and because we're all, you know, aero racing with this package we have, we all make mistakes just like Todd did this weekend. Um, it happens to all of us, but that's you have to be aggressive to win these truck races. If you're conservative, I promise you, you're you're not winning races at this level. And and unfortunately, us to be aggressive means putting our ourselves in sometimes dangerous positions and and hoping we can save it and and unfortunately, it, it puts other people in bad spots too. We, our performance is based so much on air and positioning ourselves with air. Whenever we lose that air, it's it is it is hard just to save it if nobody's around you. But if if somebody's out there, you know you're going to collect them, and and both of you are in the wall. It just sounds like truck racing is you know folks at home may just think oh it's just a bunch of guys in pickup trucks it's nothing. But obviously it's racing, you know, like you just mentioned, it's hard racing. You have to be on your feet, your toes all the time and uh, be aware of those aerodynamic sensitivities with these vehicles because uh, they're they're just as tough to drive as a cup car, or Xfinity car. I think maybe more so in the truck series because of what you just mentioned with the, the mix of talents. And actually, too, you mentioned about being an older driver, which is kind of funny because I'm also 38 years old, um, you know. I got to ask you this question. I don't know if anyone's ever asked you this. Being this driver from Fairhope, Alabama, who's now all of a sudden this perennial contender in the truck series, do you sometimes find yourself pinching your, your arms going, wow, you know, hold on a second. I'm in a NASCAR Craftsman truck series. This is a long ways from when I was a, a young man in Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like I've, I've been fortunate enough, um, you know, early on, I, I probably, you know, didn't appreciate it then, but, but, you know, grinding it out, doing stuff that, that other people didn't want to do, you know, working on the cars and, and crew chief in the cars and spotting and, and starting parking and doing all that stuff that, that, you know, frankly, a lot of other people didn't want to do. And, and sometimes taking those opportunities that other guys, it, it may be turned down, I think makes me appreciate 
the opportunity that, that God's blessed me with the last six or eight, maybe even longer, really since 2014, I have been in the opportunity to drive fully funded race vehicles for a living, you know, and, and not many people can say that. And I had to struggle a long time to get to this point that, yeah, I, I do truly appreciate it. There are absolutely, a, you know, I'd say once or twice a month, I pinch myself and and say, hey, I'm one of these guys that is absolutely living my dream. And on top of that, I'm at the point of my life that I can appreciate it. I think there is there are some some guys that that maybe have that that same opportunity at a younger age and don't truly appreciate how how blessed we are to be able to do this. So I'm definitely uh, in a position that where I, I can. I can truly say that I'm I'm living my dream and and I'm I'm enjoying it. So it uh I think I was 31 years old when I was a rookie in the truck series. So there's not many people that can say that. Um maybe maybe Friesen can say that. Um some something like that. There's not many guys though that that are that are 31 years old in a rookie in, in really any series. So um I'm I'm very, very fortunate to that um I've had the opportunities that I have and into to just step in equipment like we have at GMS Racing, uh, the opportunity that I have with, with Champion Power Equipment, with with Maury Gallagher and Mike Beam and Ron Booth and and the guys that that have basically chosen me to to drive their truck, um, it's a it's it, it, it's really cool. I'm I'm living my dream. I'm happy to hear that, and I'm just gonna say this, and I hope the rest of our fans appreciate this. 30s is the new 20s in 2000, 2023. So I'm just going to say that for you, my friend, because uh, I don't want to think that we're old yet, but I'm in denial and you don't have to be, but I am because I, I, I'm forever 20 <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Oh, it's kind of hitting me that we're both hitting that age, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. It, it doesn't bother me at all. To, to me, it has always been about winning races. And, um, you know, it, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you have the fastest truck or the slowest truck or you got the most inexperienced driver or the most experienced. It doesn't matter. The goal is to win races. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm blessed to be in the opportunity to, to do that. Um, would I love to have the same opportunity at 18? Yeah. But um, the reality is I, I might have blown it at that point. So I'm, I'm definitely uh, appreciative of, of the opportunity that I have. And, and uh, like I said, it's, it's very cool to, to not only to, to, to race for a living, but to, to be able to step in a truck that, that really can, can win any, any week. So I have a great crew chief and Jeff Hensley. I have great guys working on this thing. And um, man, it's, it, it's cool to be in that situation. I just love the dynamic that you and Jeff have, by the way. And the the Fox telecast was, has been picking it up lately, uh, where Jeff is sort of, he's just like, don't, don't bother me, folks. I am trying to help Grant and our team win this race. But then when you get to winning that race, he's probably the most excitable individual I see on the pit box, at least on the telecast. So, I mean, describe that relationship that you have with Jeff, because obviously, you know, drivers and creatures will often say, this is the, the crucial relationship that decides whether a team's successful or not. But, you know, you guys, what's that chemistry like with you and him? It takes everybody clicking, you know. Um, so me and Jeff have, have worked together for for five years now. And I I still remember vividly our first race win was in Las Vegas in 2018. And we had worked together for a year and a half to that point. And we had done everything possible and, and put in so much blood, sweat and tears and, and especially on Jeff and the, the guys part worked so many hours 
to win this race. And we win this race at Las Vegas in the playoffs. And I look around and Jeff is like the most miserable guy in the world. <laughs> like he is, he is like upset and I can't fathom why. And, um, and anyway, I had a long talk with him afterwards and, and everything was, was good, but I'm like, Jeff, man, this is what we've been working to towards enjoy the moment. And, um, you know, I think just people handle emotions differently and, and all, and, um, I, I think it was, it was a little bit strange to me because there was this moment of just pure happiness for, for all of us, you know, from, from the, the big guys from, from, from Pepper and from, from Josh and all of our guys that we had worked hard, same core group of guys for a year and a half and, and worked so hard and we finally win. And, and Jeff is just like miserable on the outside, but I know inside he was happy. And then the, the last few wins, it is, it has really been evident to me how, how truly he happy he has been and how enjoying the moment he's been. So um, it, it was really cool to, to, to go back and win at Indy last year and, and, both of us had kind of had a tumultuous year leading up to that point and um, just a, a lot of ups and downs. And, and we go out there and, and win Indy and he is the most carefree, just pure joy on his face after that race. It, it was, it was really, really cool to see. And it's uh, it, obviously winning, winning is fun. And, um, and, and it's been cool to, to kind of see, see that, that dynamic of it. But, but me and Jeff have a great relationship we're both very, very different in some, some aspects. I feel like he's the kind of guy that, that he, he gets so passionate. He, he gets upset quickly and he gets over it really, really quickly. And I'm like, I'm, I'm more the other way. You know, it takes me a long time to get rattled. And when I do rat, get rattled, it's kind of up to, to him or somebody to calm me back down. So we, we, we have a great relationship and, and we, we have a lot of trust in each other. So when, when he makes a gutsy call, like he did at gateway, he, he called us to, to stay out at the end of the first stage. And everybody but, but me and one other truck, Mads Benedetto, pitted. So we had given up all the track position we had, but it allowed us to win that stage. Um, the playoff point was important to us. But we give up all that track position, but we had a truck good enough to overcome it. And then he short pits the next stage and gets all of that track position back. So we have enough confidence in each other that maybe he can put me in a and maybe what some people would look at as a bad spot to, to have a bigger goal in mind. And I have enough confidence, confidence in him to do something, you know, off, off track from other guys and know that, Hey, we got a nine out of 10 chance that it works. Cause he, he is very, very good at thinking on his feet and he's very good at, at going with those gut feelings. And like I said, nine times out of 10, they work out. It just sounds like you two not only have found the way to enjoy the good moments and whether the heart, weather, if you will, but also to, to build trust. I think it's the biggest thing you just highlighted with your dynamic with Jeff. And uh, it's so evident, as you mentioned, throughout these last six years, and especially in these recent races, which is, you know, it's just so fun. It's, it's kind of like when they show the families of drivers who, whose relatives get so excited, or they're just like biting their fingernails. And then you see Jeff just so like in the zone, like Nick Saban on the sidelines for a, a Crimson Tide football game. But then when y'all win a race, it's like Super Bowl. I don't know, whatever year it is now for that game. It's just so fun to see. And uh, um, uh, it'd be fun to see you guys win a lot more just because of his reaction. But of course, your story as well, which is so inspiring uh, to me. We'll talk a little bit more about that here, actually, in a bit. But 
let's talk about your, your, your team as a whole, because like you said, you're kind of like the older driver. And of course you have two rookie teammates this year, which I think is a unique situation for any stock car team or stock truck team to have to deal with um, in this day and age. I mean, you got Daniel Dye and Roger Carruth, you know, what has it been like working with them to help them get up to speed? Yeah. Well, fortunately we, we knew each other before this year. We had communicated last year, you know, I didn't, I didn't know either of them were going to be teammates, but we had through the Chevy camp, he had communicated and talked and, and on. And I think there's a, a mutual respect between all of us. And, and yeah, I, they're, they're both very young, you know, 19, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel had never been in any NASCAR race before this year. And he started at Daytona. Raja had had the opportunity to, to run some Xfinity cars and to run five or six truck races last year. So, so I think Raja had a step up on like what he was going to expect, but for, for Daniel to go from a full season of ARCA to trucks, which, which I did a long time ago, but it is drastically different. The aggression in the truck series is elevated times 10, you know, and it just, it's wild chaotic racing and it's guys that are literally a lot of us, and I'm not saying this is other guys, a lot of us are driving over our heads and trying to save it. And and that's kind of how you have to race in the truck series, unfortunately. I, I wish it wasn't like that, but restarts mean so much that you you have to be willing to just go where they're not and, and hopefully you can save it. And uh, there is definitely a line there. You 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 have to, to be able to know like what what you can foreseeably save and what you have no chance of saving. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely been, been a learning curve for, for both of those guys, but, but I've tried to, to help them along the way. And Raja has shown some really good speed a couple of times at Darlington and Kansas and, and, and stuff like that. So, and Daniel had a, had a great race at, at gateway. He ended up not getting the finish probably that they deserved, but he, he ran up front with us. I, I think I was leading the race and, and he ran second for a good 30, 40, 50 laps. So um, it's, it's good to see their progress and, and their confidence level um, get high, but, but man, this, this stuff is really, really tough. So it's, it, from a learning curve, it is, uh, it, it's a huge one. That's interesting. You mentioned about the transition between ARCA and, and trucks, because you, you said it yourself, you, you've done that before and you realize how tough it is. And, you know, as a longtime observer of NASCAR, a lot of folks would often say, well, you should do the ARCA truck and then cup route or ARCA truck Xfinity the end cup route. But to know that the level of aggression is to the nth level in the NASCAR series, I mean, truck series, that's that just highlights just how much you said earlier, you have to be aggressive. You can't be timid and being gentlemanly all the time, because if you do, you're going to get passed all the time, it sounds like. And um you know, based on your experiences, how much have you been able to help Daniel kind of adapt to the truck series, um, knowing that he had that good run at Gateway? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the biggest thing is is I'm there when when those guys need some specific advice. There there were some times that like after after Kansas, I, I went to Raja and he didn't he didn't ask me. I just kind of told him my two cents on on kind of his situation there. And and we've we've talked about different specific scenarios but at the end of the day like they can ask me they can ask anybody in our shop we got eric jones we got gregson in there we got jimmy johnson and that's walking around the shop there's a lot of good people that 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 myself raja and daniel can can lean on but it's it's up to you as that driver to make those decisions and um it's hard to explain stuff happens so quickly in racing that basically you have to 
to train yourself to react to situations. It's not like you have time to think about it and then react. You basically have to to train those 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 reflexes. So um, that's what makes it tough. I feel like you know when I transitioned from Arca to truck, I feel like for the most part, like I had a pretty clean reputation. Like I I was I was aggressive, but I I, I tried to be clean and and I feel like Arca at the time the package that we had you could pass guys without getting into them at all. Like that, it, it was, it was not an issue. There was obviously times when you run into guys because you're, you, there's 30 of you out there racing and you're going to have those instances. But for, for the first half a season of truck racing in, in 2017, I tried to do everything I could to gain the respect of everybody around me to hopefully get that respect back. And it took a half a season for me to realize that's that's just not the case. Like, I I, I personally do not like how we race in the truck series, but but I, I have to race like that. I have to race super aggressively. You have to block. If you don't, you will get past and you won't be able to pass the guy back. If, if we could pass somebody under green at St. Louis, pit strategy wouldn't matter that much. The best truck would matter. And, and you still have to have a really good truck. And we had a, a top three truck. We had a really good champion power equipment Chevy at Gateway. And we had to have that to win the race. But it is so hard to pass. Like, you have to be willing to put your truck where somebody else's isn't or maybe put them in a bad spot to get there or maybe be super aggressive on a restart to do that. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it, took a, it, it took me a long time to finally get that through to my head and say, hey, you know, unfortunately, I can't make friends with everybody and I, I can't drive this guy, you know, and be, give him eight feet in between us and expect him to do that to me next time. Cause it's, it just didn't happen for me. So it wasn't like, Hey, I'm faster than you. That guy's going to pull over because I pulled over for him this time. It, it doesn't work like that in the package that, that we're under is so aero dependent that, that you just have to race aggressively. And, and on top of that, you have the kids involved and, and you, you know, it just, uh, you're not going to be timid and you're not going to be a gentleman, in my opinion, in, in win truck races at this day and age. That makes a lot of sense, though. And like you said, just everyone's got a different agenda. The the way the, the, the packages puts you in that box to have to race that way rather there, than like, go ahead. Yeah. And there's guys that, that to me do it much better than others, you know, but <laughs> none of us that are running to win races or, or, or running how I truly would like to race each other. You know, I, I would say like, like Zane Smith is probably the guy that runs the best week in and week out that, that drives cleaner than most guys. And, and um, I, I'll, I'll give him an attaboy there because I, I truly believe that, but it, there is, there is, it is so hard to, to do what we're doing without putting somebody else in a bad spot. It sounds like a lot like in a way not to bring pigskin into this. It's like football. I mean, uh, you kind of have to go into this warriors element, if you will. But of course, once the, you know, the race is over, the helmets hung in the driver's seat or the compartment, you're back to being yourselves. But um, that's what makes you guys such incredible individuals, I think, to the fans and for journalists. Why we why do we do this, even though it does kind of compromise a little bit of who you are and all. Um, and it does kind of make me think of, you know, this kind of situation right now. Could you imagine yourself racing in the, the truck series when it first started with the likes of like Mike Skinner, Jack Sprague, Ron Hornaday, and kind of going toe-to-toe with those guys? 
you know, those guys are, are my heroes and I respect those guys a ton. I think would, would they, would they stand for what we're doing now? No, absolutely not. I, I think they would grab guys by the throat and, and, and start cleaning some of that up. And I, I feel like one of those guys could probably to a certain extent, maybe grab NASCAR by the throat and say, Hey, like try not to put us in these positions, but I feel like everything we do from a NASCAR standpoint and a fan standpoint. And I, I truly, I want every fan to truly enjoy these races. I feel like we put ourselves like we're, we're baiting each and every one of our drivers to, to put ourselves in these situations. You, you do things where points don't matter as much as they used to winning matters. You know um, you, you have the playoff format winning you're in. So you, you have that carry. You also have the package that is extremely hard to legitimately pass somebody in the Xfinity series. I feel like that's the best package right now. An Xfinity car can, can be in 10th spot coming out of the pits and he can legitimately pass his way up there. He can get to somebody's back bumper, get them loose and drive bomb. We get to three car links behind somebody and we lose our nose and we lose another three car links. So now the guy behind this is, is trying to pounce on him and it's more momentum arrow racing. So I feel like, you know, those guys are my heroes. Um, I got a ton of respect for, for, for Mike and, and Ron and, and coincidentally, uh, you know, Jeff Hensley won, won a lot of races with, with Mike Skinner. I, I feel like, I feel like it would take a drastically different package with a lot less aero dependency and a lot more horsepower and, and a lot more just kind of dependent on mechanical grip to get us to where I feel like we should be, but they, uh, they don't ask me that. Um, I, I think, I think sometimes, the fans and and when I'm watching these races, when I'm not involved in them and I'm watching them, I am genuinely entertained. So I'm not taking anything away from that. But uh, but man, I I'm more of a guy that likes to to watch legitimate paths and 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 not momentum racing myself. I I can totally understand that for sure. And uh, seems like that's the sort of a theme that I've heard from other drivers in the Cup Series um, in the last couple of years, especially when. The Cup Series went from a 750 horsepower package to the infamous 550 horsepower package that was used in the final years of the Gen 6 car. So uh, definitely some commonalities on that. Um, but I think, like you said, uh, if today's fans are enjoying these races, and you said it yourself, you, you love watching it from home, I can only imagine what that young fan, wherever they are, would be thinking if they saw the package of the 90s and the... Oh man, I, I would love to see that just because I, I I grew up as a truck fan too myself. So um it's it's a great series, but oh, I love I love the original years of it too. And that's probably why I enjoy your story as well, because you have that old school um uh, connection to the sport and swagger that is a, a nice refreshing story to tell. <laughs> I'm telling you, because it just seems like uh in other sports, it's always about let's promote the youngsters, let's do this yeah. and that. And it's yeah. just so nice to know that there's other folks that are, hey, you, you can be in your 30s and still be great. You're not old. You're you're if you're competitive and you care about what you do, like you do, yeah, you're you're still gonna contribute and still, you know, have days where you can kick, you know, what on the racetrack. So it's cool to see. And I think one of those elements that helps you, you know, stay in that position and you know, give you those great opportunities alongside your great driving skills is the fact that you have this long-staying relationship with Champion Power Equipments. I think it dates back to 2015 when you were with in the ARCA series. You know, what does it mean to you to have this strong connection with a sponsor like Champion Power Equipments and know that they've been by your side through the ups and downs? 
Yeah, I think the cool part of, of Champion is, yeah, they started out as sponsors, but those guys are, are more or less family at this point. And um, I feel like it's a, it's a relationship that's benefited both of us from the beginning. So um, Champion Power Equipment is, is started out pretty small when we first started, um, you know, being involved together and, and first started partnering together in 2015. And, and they have grown to where, you know, three or four years ago, we started looking around the campgrounds, which we we've always uh, Dennis Tron, who's, who's the owner of Champion, uh, Marty Richards, Todd Wellsbacher. Those those are our kind of our, our key partners there at Champion. They come to races. We try to travel around to the campgrounds as many times as we can and just thank the fans for being there and thank Champion Power Equipment customers for for having those generators. And, and man, three or four or five years ago, we're driving around there. It's like man, there is a lot of champion generators at the racetrack now. And that was really cool to see from at the beginning when that was more or less a brand that, you know, a few guys that you'd run across had, had seen that or something like that. So to, to now like people recognize that brand, they, 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 they put grant and champion together and, and it's cool to see. And, and there's a lot of fans that we see that, that we've seen three or four years previous at a campground that that we knocked on their door again and they see us again that are really excited to see us or there's guys that have just watched me race that we happen to knock on the door and they've got a champion uh generator or or there's been cases like this weekend that the guys have said hey we specifically went out and bought a champion generator because y'all are involved in racing and that is some things that to me like i want to go race and that's me that's my personal you know deal but champion they're they're in business you know they this is a business it has to make sense for them and i, I feel like this is one of those partnerships that has worked great for both of us i feel like we have we have grown well together and um it, it's been pretty cool to see and on top of that we have really really good relationships with uh with those guys they, they all came to the race at charlotte Marty Richards and, and his wife and, and his daughter were, were actually with us at Gateway. Um, so it was a little bit of a light crowd, but it was cool to, to, to celebrate that win together. Um, so I don't know. Relationships are, are just such a, a cool aspect of, of what we do. And it's, and it's cool to, to be able to, to, to share that for as long as we have. I feel like I, there's, there's been a lot of cases where, where sponsors are in there for a short amount of time. But, uh, but this one's been a long time and, it, and it's worked really well for both of us. Yes, you could say it's lasted as long as a generator powering those race fans, uh, you know, RVs and those campers at the racetrack. And it's just so cool. And I bet you for for them and for you, it had to be a surreal moment when like Lionel made a die cast of your Daytona winning car truck with a champion sponsorship on it. So it had to kind of make you go, whoa, wait a second. This is this is some kind of like cool moment I need to freeze. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely very cool. There, there's been plenty of those moments along the way. <laughs> now, let me ask you this. I got a couple more fun questions before we wrap things up with you. And I'm enjoying our interview, by the way. So this is a fun one for me. You know, what would be your welcome to NASCAR moment that makes you laugh or smile when you think about it or talk about it with, say, someone like me or to, to anyone at the racetrack? My welcome to NASCAR moment? Yeah. So I actually have two of them. So, you know, my, my first, you know, uh, couple, I, I guess would be, I, I really, really, really wanted an opportunity to race at my home track at Talladega. Um, kind of did everything we could 
uh, got together with a, 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 a guy that's, that's turned out to be a friend of mine. Um, we were able to, to race uh, Talladega together in the truck. And I believe this was 2010. Um, this has been quite a while back. And um, first true start. I'd, I'd done a, a start in Parker two before then, I believe. Um, but but really, really being able to run a NASCAR truck in front of my home race, just so incredibly honored and, and proud to do that. And um, comes down to the end of the race. And, and you know, we actually have a, a pretty good truck and um running running towards the front in the top 10 and um i'm pushing todd bodon through the trioval at talladega which the trioval you kind of got your hands full anyway i was driving a truck that had a little bit of a v on the nose and didn't make the best pushing truck made a probably a better leading truck and i pushed todd bodon through the trioval and i wrecked him into hornaday in the you know massive big one at talladega hornaday flips on his lid He's leading the points at that time. I mean, it must have taken out a dozen trucks. It was, I caused the big one at Talladega. And, uh, you know, Todd, Todd is all mad at me at that point. And we've grown to be, you know, good friends now. Um, so, so that was the moment that it was like, oh boy, I just screwed up big time. You know, I wanted to, to, to crawl under a rock. And then to fast forward to that, um, five or six years after that, uh, I helped Brett and Stacy Holmes in, in 2016 in ARCA coming off our championship year in 2015. And um in and, and Brett's dad, Stacy, uh, along with plug phones and, and a couple other partners, came together to get me in a ride at GMS Racing in a Chevrolet at Talladega. And we were able to to come basically, I don't I wouldn't say dominate the race, but but we led, you know, 30 or 40 laps and and able to to hold off. The, the guys at the end and able to win my first truck race in front of my home crowd at Talladega, you know, from a, a moment at the very, very bottom of, of the roller coaster of racing to the moment, at the very, very, very top. So that, that's my two kind of welcome to NASCAR moments for you. And it all happened at your home track. So that's, that's pretty special. And uh, I know you're not from Hueytown, but do you consider yourself an honorary member of the Alabama game? You know, I, I think there's nobody that'll ever take the place of, of Bobby and Donnie and Davey and Red and 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 all those guys. Um, I I think it's very cool that that I am from Alabama. I've got a lot of pride from from the racers that that have made it from Alabama, and I got a lot of pride from my 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 Crimson Tide as well. Uh, so def, definitely, uh, I'm grateful to 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 be it. It from Alabama, but I would not consider myself uh, one of the Alabama games at, at, at all. I do find myself, I, I feel like one day, um, long into the future, I'll, I'll make my way back home to Alabama. Both mine and my wife, Michelle's family, uh, still live in, in Fair Oak, Alabama, and, and that'll, that'll always be home for me. <laughs> well, you know, the old Leonard Skinner song, Sweet Home Alabama. So I think that'll be the song that you'll be playing on your vehicle when you make that homecoming trip. Uh, down the road uh i i gotta visit it like you making it sound so beautiful and so like um relaxing to go to hot weather it is uh it is perfect for you so got watch <laughs> everything to do with with fairhope alabama which is where we're from down near the coast is is absolutely beautiful and, and great people and uh just like i said it, it will always be home for me well at least you're near a body of water i mean in, i'm in central texas so it's pretty much all heat 
and it's going to get more humid and there's no water around me. So um, sign me up for that one of these days. <laughs> I'll say that much. Oh, man, I wish we had more time. I got two more questions and I got to wrap it up because I know you, you got a busy evening and you're trying to enjoy your off week for sure. If you got to be a serious XM DJ for a day and you got to pick at least three songs that best personifies who you are, what songs would you play and why? Well, come on. You already named one of them. Sweet Home oh, Alabama. Okay, that's one. He Stopped Loving Her Today, just because that's the best song in general that anybody's ever written. And you can't legitimately listen to all the words from George Jones on He Stopped Loving Her Today and not like tear up inside. Like that is the most heartfelt song in the world. So best song, period. Do I even need a third? I don't even, I don't have a third. Um, hmm. Maybe just a good fun, all my exes live in Texas. So <laughs> but it's all pretty twangy. Um, I guess we got some Southern rock in there, but but most of the stuff that I listen to and enjoy is some, some twangy old country music. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, Willie Nelson's from Austin, Texas, so I guess I got to, Give him some love, of course. Uh, old school Elvis before, you know, he went to Las Vegas and where are those George from Texas or where is George Strait from? George Strait. I think he's a Texan. I, I'm going to cheat. Well, uh, you know, I'm a journalist. I shouldn't be cheating, but I'm going to have to right now. So George Strait is. I mean, I, he's got to hang his hat in Tennessee, right? He yeah, been. well, he's from Poteet, Texas. Okay, there you go. San Antonio. So yeah, he's a Texan. There you go. We're giving love to our home states. I think you know the the, the tourism board should give us some money on this one. But I, I uh, I'll let uh, Leighton worry about those logistics for us if he could. <laughs> now, my last question for you, and um, we gotta do this again because I have a lot more questions I could ask you and make this even more fun. But for my last one for you, my friend tonight. If Hollywood said, hey, we want to make the Grant and Finger movie, we're going to put it on the big screen all across the U.S. and maybe around the world if, you know, it does well. Uh, which actor would you choose to play you on the big screen? Well, I don't know if that had ever happened because my wife, Michelle, says I'm like the most boring individual ever. So I'm, I'm like... I already told you I'm old twangy country music. I'm vanilla ice cream. I'm like, whatever is original, like I'm the original guy, you know, like I, I don't want the the latest and greatest hamburger. I just want a regular cheeseburger because that's what I've always eaten. You know what I mean? So if they were to do it, I don't know, man. Um, you know, you got all those politics that are wrapped up with, with, um, with, with all those actors now, man, what, um, how about just Chevy Chase? Because he is he is a funny guy. He's probably still got it some. And he's an old guy too. And you've called me old like 38 times today. So um <laughs> let's go, let's go with Chevy Chase. Well, you're not quite as old as Chevy Chase. And hey, I'm with you about Club 85, but I let's go with Chevy Chase during the the the, van, the National Lampoon Vacation movies. I'm sure that was a hit in your family back then. Absolutely. Oh man. Well, that makes me wish we had summer vacation, but we're adults. We've got jobs. Um, and speaking of which, I better let you get back to your family and enjoy your uh, much-deserved break after five races in a row. So before we wrap it up, do you have anything you want to tell the race fans right now? Man, I, I want to specifically tell all the fans that were actually there at St. Louis this weekend. Thank you. 
95 degree heat. We had a 12:30 start time. I don't know who came up with that, but just a blistering hot day um, and a, just an incredible crowd out there. So thank, thankful for for all those fans out there, and appreciate the guys uh, listening to this at home. And uh, just thank you so much to, to Champion Power Equipment and Chevrolet, Mike Dean, Maury Gallagher, Ron Booth, all the guys that allow allow us to, to do what we do. I'm uh, I'm a guy living my dream. So very appreciative for, for all the ones that have, that have helped get us here. Absolutely. And it was a pleasure to have you here on the hot seat uh, for TPF Live. So best of luck when we get to Nashville later this month. But for now, enjoy the much deserved time off and maybe watch the Bossman race in the uh, Le Mans 24 as well. I plan on it. <laughs> That's Grant Infinger, everybody. So I hope you enjoy that one for TPF Live. And we really appreciate you all listening to that uncut, in-depth interview with Grant Infinger here in the hot seat. So my thanks to Grant and, of course, my buddy Layton for making that interview possible. You can catch the article version of that interview in two parts on thepodiumfinish.net later this week, for sure, by the end of this month because it's a really long interview, but it was a really fun one to say the least. And Grant, you should join us next time live on the show, buddy. We have a lot of fun on this podcast. Now with that, folks, I know it's almost time to wrap it up here and get ready to see what happens in Nashville. And I know Nathan's getting ready to see what happens in the six hours of the Glen. And uh, I know I always ask him this question before we get into the show. So I, I feel bad I haven't remembered to ask Nathan, but you know, what are you looking forward to with covering this weekend's race at Watkins Glen? Yeah, I mean, everything. I mean, I think it's just a cool, like, it's it's a change of pace and a change of scenery. Because obviously I'm used to, like, the, all the NASCAR stuff. So it's, like, it's a completely different series. So uh, new people, different style of racing, um, same epic track. So that's fun. Um, obviously it's a NASCAR sanctioned series. So there's, there's, I guess, some aspects that stay the same. But... Um, it's just always cool to get a refreshing change of scenery, and I think as a journalist, it kind of um, it kind of tests you a little bit more into to waters you're you're not as familiar with. Like, I mean, I'm not gonna deny the fact that I'm a little le- I'm I'm a lot less familiar with IMSA, but um, it makes me a better writer and reporter. Um, being able to go out and, and cover a series like that, um, you know, it, it forces you to have have more attention to detail uh, and and to research harder and, and, and everything like that. So, uh, looking forward to it. Um, I learned a lot covering this race last year. Um, so just, uh, excited to kind of translate everything I learned from last year to, to this race weekend. Um, and yeah, hopefully they'll put on a good show. They put on a really good show last year. I uh, got a kind of a controversial finish at the end last year because, um, I think, you watched the. I remember it was we were the the group chats were, were blown up on TPF because, um, basically what happened was there was a big delay. Well, there there's a stoppage because of a storm, a thunderstorm. Yep. Um, and when the race should have essentially been over, uh, they decided to add an extra thirty minutes to it. So it was like the sail in six and a half hours, um, <laughs> and then a bunch of cars got penalties. Um, for drive time issues, like because they added extra 30 minutes, it screwed up, um, you know, different drive times for, for different classes, particularly, um, some of the lower classes that had three drivers for, for each car. So, um, hopefully that does not happen. Hopefully it's less controversial, uh, yet just as exciting. 
controversy is good, but not when it it when Mother Nature messes things up and puts teams in compromising positions. Yes, that's what I remember for sure. As that light, the thunderstorm and lightning situation didn't help, and then of course that screwed up a lot of teams at their drive time. So let's hope it doesn't happen. Unfortunately, as of now, rain is in the forecast, but not as dominant as last year. And and it doesn't look like the thunderstorm variety is more of a pesky shower. So they can raise in that as long as it's not a, a monsoon over Watkins Glen. So as long as you can get your ice cream on and get your reporting on, I think you're in good shape. So we better not have any thunderstorms because because uh, I for th- those that don't know, um, I essentially live just down the road from Watkins Glen International. I'm only about 40 minutes down the road. Um I don't know if we've had had like a thunderstorm yet this summer. We've had, I think, two cracks of thunder. If that's it, so um, it would only be our my luck, my my poor weather luck, uh, that we'd get a big old thunderstorm <laughs> on Sunday. So we'll see. I hope not. You can send all the rain to us so that we don't have to be screaming hot in Texas. I will gladly take ninety low nineties at this point, and I'll call it a victory for summer twenty twenty three. I think for I don't really have a pick for the race, but I. If Jordan Taylor in the Corvette, te- you know, Jordan Taylor, yeah, the Corvette team is going to be in the race. I look for them to do some great things. And uh, I'm sure Jordan's pretty pumped about what he saw from the Garage 56 entry at Le Mans. So uh, I think they'll be a force to be reckoned with in their division. But Nathan's going to get all the news action from there. And I'll anchor our coverage for the Ally 400 along with Brooklyn Jackson and as well as uh, Jasmine Sharp. So going to be a lot of fun, a lot of action to cover. So you better stay tuned to our social media channels at the Podium Finish on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and of course our personal Twitter accounts as well. So with that, folks, I think Nathan's getting ready for Watkins Glen, and I better get ready for the busy weekend that's ahead for uh, Nashville, and of course my sports car duties with the LTK Insulation Technologies Damon Racing Team as we get ready for the race at Mid Ohio. So with that, folks, let's go ahead and wrap up this show. So for Nathan Solomon, Grant Enfinger, and yours truly, Rob T. Johnson, we all want to say thank you very much for tuning in to the World's Fastest Hour of Racing Talk, TPF Live, on your preferred podcasting platform. Next week, we've got a lot to talk about with the post-Nashville pre-Chicago Street Course Race edition of TPF Live. And of course, we've got some hot seat interviews to look forward to. There'll be two of them this coming weekend for Chicago. So with that, folks, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you around next time. And let's all go get the checkered flag. And until next time, folks. So long, everyone.